least we can do is have policies that are just not a, this is how we deal with things. It's like, okay, here's the policy that we have for you because you're an individual. So we've just found different ways to actually treat humans as humans and individuals and give them the skills. If they don't have the skills, don't say, okay, no, you can't do it because you don't have what it takes. Help them get to where they want to go. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our third panel for the series, Business Models for Impact-Led Business. This is a webinar series brought to you by Mama Got Skills and Impact Boom to facilitate candid conversations with purpose-led women. We would like to start by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land that we are gathering on today. In Brisbane, that's the Turrbal and Yagara people. We recognise that these have always been places of learning, teaching and sharing, and we pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. My name is Carly Dole and I'm the founder of Mama Got Skills, an impact-led initiative that works to provide creative outlets to address postnatal anxiety and depression. I'm here to lead conversations with women who work in and with impact-led businesses. I want to learn more about the way in which women work and balance their knowledge and understanding within a system that once didn't even include them in the conversation. I'm keen to know if the changes that have been made are good enough, and particularly how women approach business in this age. So today we'll start with a 40-minute panel conversation, and I would kindly ask that you leave your videos and sound off during this time, but then we'll be followed by a 20-minute Q&A time where you can speak to the panelists. Throughout today's webinar, we will open up the chat bar and invite you to leave questions and your own comments around this topic. So let's begin. It, was, it is with great pleasure that I introduce you to our three incredible panelists today. So Professor Ingrid Burkett is Professor and Co-Director at the Unis Centre at Griffith University. She is a social designer, designing processes, products and knowledge that deepen social impact and facilitate social innovation. Welcome Ingrid, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, it's lovely to be here. Brilliant. And Harrod Lubok is, did I say that right? Let's just get this out there. And Harrod is spot on. You've done so well. I think my married name is Lubbock, but that's Lubbock. compared to the Welsh first name. Yeah, that's kind of our <laughs> priority. And Harrod Lubbock is head of programs at White Box Enterprises, following a wide ranging career in Australia and Europe, encompassing corporate finance and treasury strategy and corporate development and purpose-led consulting. And Harrod is also the founder and CEO of Springboard. Welcome, Anne Harrod. Really lovely to have you here. Oh, it's a pleasure. And Katie Richards is the founder and CEO of Virtual Legal, driving a high-energy team of lawyers to provide standard legal services through an online platform. Katie has also founded Law on Earth, a social enterprise, self-service legal platform, aiming to make services accessible for everybody. Welcome, Katie. Great to have you. Great to be here, thanks. Brilliant, so everyone, it's so good to speak with you all. And I would love to start by hearing a little bit more from each of you about your journey to where you are now. So Ingrid, is it okay if we start with you? Can you tell us a little bit more about your background? Sure, thank you. 
So I've got a really diverse background and sometimes that it's a little bit difficult to see the threads. So I actually started my professional career as a social worker and community development worker, but I also trained as a graphic designer. So a very unrecommended pathway in life. Don't try and do some of those things simultaneously. But I think what I found working in the communities where I was working was that I could see the rest of my life, the term of my natural life, I could be working in those communities and really not even touch the surface of making a real difference in those communities. And I think that's what initially got me interested in enterprise and business as a way to explore what the possibilities were, because I saw so much skill and talent in those communities and people just not having the opportunity to harness that. So I actually went off and did a business degree and started a few businesses myself, started a few social enterprises, and I've been in that space ever since, really. I think what I'm really interested in now is what are the systems that we need to have in place for those enterprises to really flourish and make a difference, have an impact. Brilliant. Thank you, Ingrid. And Harrod, we might go to you. Can you tell us a bit more about your background? Thank you. Yeah, I grew up in a household with vocationally blurred parents and felt very strongly about social justice and and serving others less fortunate than ourselves from a young age. But I suppose like many people didn't have a clear pathway to executing on that in conjunction with commercial interests. So I studied business, but realised very early on that I needed to, to find a way to apply myself to the world of business, more of a social, you know, social intention. I've worked for the Queensland State Public Sector Financing Organisation, otherwise known as Queensland Treasury Corporation, and there I got to understand capital markets, systems of finance and capital flow. And there lay an opportunity to understand those systems that that Ingrid referred to, those big systems that actually often unintentionally or intentionally sometimes result in in outcomes that are less than supportive of, of human progress. And so I went on a journey to study a Master's of Applied Finance. I worked in reinsurance and understood large balance sheets of organisations that control a lot of the capital flows of the world, but became very interested in the work they do in their foundations because they sort of operate these philanthropic organisations as a, as a way to balance out some of the, the less positive aspects of their business. I was particularly interested, therefore, in the shared value concepts that emerged from the Harvard Business School, which talk about shared value creation in the sense that we move along from philanthropy and corporate social responsibility to a designed way that we create economic and social and economic value together. So that I became very inspired by that. I worked alongside Danielle Jewell at People With Purpose, who I know is also featured on your series. And there I got to see a person of great intellect and insight work with mature organisations to help them uncover a purpose beyond pure profit, which was really fantastic work to see in action. And now I'm working for myself in conjunction with Whitebox. I saw an opportunity to work with more organisations that didn't have the resources to bring on board a full team to support them realise their vision for a purpose beyond profit. So I've set up Springboard to try to help smaller organisations realise their vision. And I'm a multidisciplinary general management resource who can come in and help them execute on some of the big rocks that need to be done in order for them to progress to their vision. So that's really what I do. I live in Toowoomba. I've got a six-year-old son and a four-year-old daughter. 
and we live on five acres and we'd love to set up a social enterprise on this farm, on this property and, and give people a chance to do some fun and interesting stuff in the area of regeneration and permaculture at some point in time. So that's another little thing going on. So thank you. Thank you, Anne Harrod. So many exciting things going on. Love it. Katie, can we hear from you a little bit more about where you've come from and where you are today? Because you're in a very exciting place. Yeah, so um, I was I just saying, Callie, before, when I grew up in a tiny little town in North Queensland to a long line of nurses and barkies, my dad was really disappointed when I said I wanted to go to university because I should have just worked at the campus. That's just my job. And I should know my place. And where I come from is very much, it's still very much like that. And just no one understood when I wanted to go into a field that was very male-dominated, obviously law. And I just I just have never been of the mindset that you have to be a certain sex to do anything in at all. You don't have to be any sex or colour or size or whatever. Just if you want to do it, just go and do it and find a way, you know, be resourceful about it. So I think I've probably, um, I've done pretty much everything the hard way growing up. But fortunately, because I broke the mould in our family, then the rest of my young cousins coming through have all started to go under uni or do what jobs they wanted to do not what grandma or granddad or their parents told them that they should do so it's actually been really liberating for our family and for people around our family as well just saying just do whatever your heart set on so uh, I think going through law was probably one of the sort of the tougher experiences until I came to start up land but yeah just because just that notion of you know, know your place is just very well ingrained you know so 20 years ago that sort of probably tells you my age now but I think it's getting a lot better and women are quite a lot more supportive of each other in those male-dominated fields now. And as we're coming into sort of the startup space, you're seeing a lot more of it now, but it's still, you'll, you'll see someone throw a comment out and I think it's, it's not gender-related as much anymore. It's just about you have to toughen up to survive these kind of conditions, but it's not saying don't be a girl. It's just saying just don't be weak. You have to find a way to support each other regardless of gender. So I sort of try to live a gender-neutral life and run my companies in the same way and both the law firm and the software platform have really taken off now we actually have more females that work here than males just because that's how it's turned out but it, yeah it's exciting times at the moment awesome thanks so much katie and so can you just just for a second just so our audience because they might not know can you just explain the difference between the two little the two businesses that you have yeah, right. So um, so Virtual Legal, my older, my seven and a half year old startup, it's an online law firm. So we used Virtual Legal initially because I wanted to try and uh, deal with the access to justice issue. I grew up in a family that didn't have any money and we just weren't entitled to have whatever everyone else had. We had no protection. You couldn't ask anyone. You just, like I said, you just knew your place. And I wanted to make sure I could do something about that. But what I found over time is that even though we still run virtual legal, we couldn't access a lot of the people in Australia who still couldn't even afford the rates that we were charging. So that's where we went down the path of building a platform that completely replicated probably about 80 or 90% of what all the lawyers were doing. And that now actually also runs under virtual legal, but it also runs publicly facing now. So the public don't have to come to virtual legal to use that self-service system. You can go there and you can save up to 90% of the time and cost you would have used to use any law firm and still get the in like the legal insurance that comes with it same high quality documentation and get advice in the platform so it just means you can self-service so if you don't if you want to do the work yourself and save heaps of money you'll use self-service if you want to be maybe lazy and just get us to do it then we will do it for you in virtual legal yeah cool that's good I think that like gives a bit of a 
clarity around that. Thank you, Katie. So Ingrid, I'm going to move to you because I first heard about you when I used the business model canvas adaptation that you have created. And I just found it really helpful as someone in a small impact led business. It really just outlines some things for me. So I'm wondering if for people that haven't heard about it, I mean, they should perhaps everyone has, but just to elaborate a bit more about what it is, how it should be used and what you've seen from that beginning of the adaptation and where it is now. Sure. So I guess just a bit of a history because I developed it first when I was working for Forrester's Community Finance, which was Australia's first community development finance institution. And we were trying to get off the ground loan funds that focus specifically on social enterprises. So I was seeing a lot of social entrepreneurs and impact enterprises come in looking for capital. And the first thing we do is say, okay, well, do you have a business plan? And they'd say, oh yes, I have a business plan. Here it is. It's been sitting on my shelf for a few years. I didn't actually write it. I got a consultant who was given to me pro bono to write it. So my question would be, okay, well, but give me an idea of what your business model is. What are you, what's the impact that you're trying to create and what's the business model that's going to underpin that? And what I found was very few people could actually do that, could tell that story. So that made me think, okay, what we need to do is to have a tool that we can use to help people tell that story really effectively, but not just tell the story, live the story. So I found the business model canvas, which was developed by someone in their PhD and has now had a huge life, um, Alexander Osterwalder. And so I went and chatted to Alex and said, oh, well, what do you think about social enterprise? Do they fit into your business model? And he said, well, I don't know. I think they might have a separate thing. And I, as I explored that and tested it with social entrepreneurs, what I realised was that if we keep thinking of ourselves as special, <laughs> then what we'll end up with is really niche opportunities and not the ability to be able to change the world. So personally, I'm interested in changing the world. I'm only one person and, you know, there's all these fantastic women <laughs> here on this call who are also on this journey. So I don't want a niche solution. I want to be able to have social enterprises sit alongside mainstream enterprises. So what we did with the business model canvas is have the ability to tell within that canvas, which is a one page, you know, summary of what your business model is, what's the intersection, the story of the intersection between the commercial and your impact on the same canvas. And if you can tell me that story, then I can understand your business and it makes it much easier for me as someone who's interested in investment to be able to invest in that. Before we had the business model canvas, I was looking at, I could spend six hours trying to unpick someone's financial statements in order to be able to just make a decision about could I lend to you because I couldn't get the intersection between the impact and the commerce. Now we've tested it pretty extensively and we've got a lot more people who are able to tell that story. And so we're utilizing it to explore how to get mainstream finance. I think that's really exciting and that's totally what it's about, right? It's that intersection and getting to that and, and being able to explain it so much so. Katie and Harrod, did you have anything to add? Have you used this canvas in your travels so far? 
not yet, but I'm going to. I really love that. It's such a, from an, yeah, particularly at an investment stage, but to be telling that story to yourself and anyone who's in your ecosystem from the very beginning sets you up for, yeah, a, a very consistent storyline and you get to hear it and test it and and come back to it. And then also you get to test the market relevance of it over time. So, yeah, awesome. Great. So let's move on because Katie, I'm going to come to you now because I spoke to you a little while ago about when you began your business and you told me that you actually ignored your gender in those first few years. You just said that was how you had to get along. And so I guess we've spoken about it a little bit, but I'm interested in why you feel like you needed to do that, but then how you use that to completely change and create the business that you have now, because I found that really interesting. So if you could explain that to everyone, that would be great. Yeah. So um, for those that don't know really how legal works, it's it's generally, and it's, it's improving a lot, but it always has been quite male dominated in that there's mostly male partners and the female roles are lower level. It's a lot harder for the females to get into partnership, not because they're as smart or they don't work as hard, but it's just an uncomfortable thing for a lot of the older male traditional partners to have to actually have to discuss decide on because the, the idea is that the female will just leave and go and have children and it'll mess up with this model that's sort of how they used to definitely used to think about it so when I was coming through I sort of just focused on you know I'm going to be at the top of my game regardless of what gender I am and if they don't like it then I'll start my own firm and that's what I did I did start my own firm but when I started that I sort of took a different approach to we don't have titles here no one has titles so obviously there's people that are lawyers and not lawyers that's important because insurance attaches to what we do so they're different job types but like I'm not the senior partner I'm not like everyone is in the same boat we all get charged at the same levels and then I thought you know maybe we can take that step one one step further and see what are those roles that we would traditionally have had the females to do which are seen to be the roles that are lower value and so we just found ways to completely automate all of those roles where possible so it's like okay we'll make the robots do them if they're low value because they don't necessarily need to be done by a female or a male and you know what are the roles that the guys are deemed to have been better at which are you know usually big decision making and and negotiating in you know in big group sessions or mediations that kind of stuff and we just retrained anyone that wanted the training in our firm like what what do you want to do this is what we're going to do okay this is the training that you're going to need let's get it done we do that every quarter in my business in both my businesses and so instead of having a conversation around kpis about how are you performing it's how are you performing how are you feeling and where would you like to go and we have that conversation every three months so that we can make sure as people change their lifestyles and you know their mindset around what they want we just adjust and it's like i I just feel as though if someone's going to give you you know say 40 plus hours a week the least we can do is have policies that are just not a this is how we deal with things it's like okay here's the policy that we have for you because you're an individual so we've just found different ways to actually treat humans as humans and individuals and give them the skills if they don't have the skills don't say okay no you can't do it because you don't have what it takes help them get to where they want to go and if they get there and it didn't turn out to be what they wanted well then help them to work out where they want to go next and just try to help them along the way you know we've got someone who prefers to do property than commercial work so we're just going to find someone to do the commercial stuff so that she can do what she loves and we'll find someone else that loves the other side of things so i think it's just about looking at the individual and and not basing it on any kind of gender and just taking the jobs like if someone doesn't like doing jobs let's try to take those jobs away and do find another way to do them disrupting the model i feel like that's what that's what you're about katie (laughs) 
<laughs> I love that. <laughs> Ingrid and Harrod, do you have any stories about disruption of the model, business model itself, what you've seen or what you've been a part of so far? I can totally identify with being the only female in the room as a credit analyst sitting in the annual meetings with some of the sort of major rated banks of Australia. And I think I asked a question to my boss once about the influence on credit ratings. This was back in, I think, probably 2007 when everything was about to crash. What influence does the operating environment have on the inherent credit worthiness of an organisation? If anyone loves credit, they'd get excited to buy that. Probably not in this room. (laughs) Ingrid, you're nodding. And he said, who's asking? And I said, I'm asking. And, you know, it, it occurred to me that I think I was there to administer and not to expand. And so I think those moments where you realise that you're without even without even realizing it and just as Katie said you're doing it because it's a, it's needs to be done the the thinking needs to change there needs to be action around that thinking and it needs to be lived and sustained and you need to attract the right people so you know your model Katie no doubt attracts a certain type of client that's not interested in title and then you sort of start to get that self self-sustaining model where you don't disappoint your customers because they weren't there because of the titles to start with. And once you've been in that long enough, you've, you've then got that self-sufficiency, which is exciting. I think it's also true that it's not an accident that there are so many women who are disruptors and sometimes think that got a fairly narrow view of what an entrepreneur is. I see a lot of women who are entrepreneurs making really disruptive changes in inside organisations and inside systems. That's what it's all about, disrupting and challenging what has been assumed to be the norm or be just the way that we do it. That's the way it's always happened. If you've got any kind of entrepreneurial streak, you'll you'll be a disruptor and it could be in a really small way or it could be in a massive way like Katie's done. We have to sort of manage it a little bit too, though, because we attract obviously other entrepreneurially minded people that we, you know, we all have shiny object syndrome, don't we? So we have to actually make sure, (laughs) I mean, let's be honest, we do. It's like a mental illness. (laughs) And so we have to make sure we try to keep each other on track. Now I can get off track and your MOPA hope will get me back on track and she'll come up with an idea. and, And it's really good. We always foster that. But then we say, okay, let's as a team agree, where do we want to go? And then just nut that out. Otherwise... Yeah, the entrepreneurial mindset can be a bit disruptive to business too, so you have to accommodate it. I think that's so true and a really good call out, Katie. (laughs) We are attracted to shiny things, but I think there are also, there's lots of roles to play. So we often focus on the entrepreneur or the intrapreneur, but it's a team. This is a team effort. We're not going to change the world on our own. Yeah, I, I think absolutely team is so key here and it and it's like even starting something myself, I constantly question, do I need to be the one that started this? Is this about my ego or is this about the impact that I'm having? And I think that's a really valid question for a lot of people to keep coming back to. Am I the per- best person for this or can I support someone else who's doing similar work? And I think that's when we get this tremendous change that we're looking for. So yeah, thank you. That was super insightful. So, and Harrod, we're going to move to you because you work with Finding Business Capital for Profit for Purpose and social enterprises led by both men and women. And I'm interested to know about the differences that you've noticed in your work so far. Thank you. I think as I reflect on the question, there are a lot of things that are common. It doesn't matter 
whether what gender you are or where you see yourself on the gender spectrum. In fact, I think deeply intentional businesses are fundamentally tied to a certain temperament and a way of seeing the world. So I think it's a mindset that's brought in by the intentionality that the business is designed to do something that fundamentally is worthy of doing beyond short-term motivations. So I think what comes with that is is essentially a belief that your financial resources in particular are simply that, that they are not an end in themselves, but simply a resource that you use to fuel your vision and your ambition and the actions. The other thing that I notice is that businesses that are impact-driven are inherently more likely to be complex in the sense that they are constantly balancing, trying to balance and be ambidextrous in addressing long-term priorities and respond to short-term challenges and changes in context, operating context. So that's something that really influences capital raising. And I think that goes back to the intersection of commercial and impact, is that you really have to have in your mind and in the minds of your people a very, very strong and clear narrative that explains that in ways that people from different backgrounds can understand and interact with. And I think what women do really well is take the time and spend the time and do the thinking and invite other people into that. I think women have a tendency to have very high expectations of themselves and perhaps underestimate their abilities in general. That's maybe not true for everybody, certainly something I struggle with. So I think we also are very prone to invite contributions, but it's I think that therein lies the inherent value of the feminine. I won't say female, but the feminine, because I think men are just as capable of having that capacity to invite and to engage and to respond and to take people on that journey. So when it comes to raising capital, that story is vital and, and having the confidence to respond to questions and also to be very firm in that long-term outcome. I think James Bartle from Outland Denim is a great example of someone who embodies a commitment to a long-term goal and is not prepared to compromise for the sake of short-term concerns or, or challenges. There are many, many examples, but that's a very recent one that I've I've encountered in the marketplace, having gone through a capital raising and had checks written and put on the table and all sorts of pressures applied in the face of short-term challenges and cash in bank and was firm, really firm. I've got the other thing I wanted to mention that I've noticed is that often the products and services that feminine impact business models have to do is to actually market lead with products and services like Katie described. You actually have to see the future differently. You have to see a future that doesn't exist today and design for that future and create the things that you think will get us to that future. And that takes an enormous amount of thinking and design thinking and anticipation of an and objection handling. So you sort of you become everybody, you become your future customer, you come, become your future banker, you become your future board director. And I think women are really good and people with a feminine skill set are really good at playing different roles because we do it day in, day out. Yeah, I couldn't agree more about all the roles that we play. Yeah, thank you. Do, Katie, Ingrid, do you have anything to add to that? <laughs> so much. So, uh, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think one of the things that really stood out for me, and and this happened, you, you mentioned it just before we got, came on air. So sorry, I have to repeat. And Harrod, you you were talking about how this is a moment 
for that multitasking. And I think so many of us have experienced that multitasking on speed in this moment. And also what I think is really interesting is that sort of shift of focus into much more female dominant areas like care and that we've had this sort of swing over the the COVID period into the exploration of what those more female dominated areas could look like. And I wonder whether that is an opportunity for us who are interested in impact-led enterprises to really open up this conversation and say that there are so many opportunities for these, these really innovative business models to stand out in designing the future of care models. I think one of the things I've noticed as well is I think we're getting a little bit better as you know, as social entrepreneurs and, and female as well, but at cutting ourselves a bit of slack and not expecting that you have to have things perfect from day one. One of my massive downfalls in the first few years of business just thought I had to do everything, thought I had to work 100 hours a week and, and there weren't as many female business owners at that time. And so you felt like you had to keep up with the Joneses all the time and, and you have these incredible businesses that are 10 years old that you pull things together over 10 years, right? You have to start somewhere. And I think we're becoming more supportive of each other, not pulling each other down if things aren't quite right. So um, I think that's sort of been a good development that we're starting to see as well. Yeah, it's that letting go, isn't it? Like what, what is your important goal? What is that impact that you want to make? That's your overarching. So what are the other things that we can just relax a little bit on? And, and yeah, I guess I guess we, if we can finish on, on a bit of maybe some insight from all of you is like, what can we do in this sector now to help females in particular to build strong foundational businesses that support their impact? Like, what are you seeing? You know, you, you're studying, you're, you're looking at trends, we're in this new kind of era of working. So what does this future look like and how can we best support each other going forward? Who would like to go first? And Harrod? Yeah, I mean, I, I really love the discipline of how does this help us create impact in every meeting, every conversation. I think that's really what Katie talked about earlier in, in staying on track and having our purpose and our impact model as central to every conversation and not finishing a conversation until we're like, and how does this relate to our impact and how will we make sure that's captured and who's responsible, not who's maybe... So I, I like the distinction of accountability and authority as well. So the decision makers aren't the ones responsible for making sure it happens. So Katie, you've got people who no doubt you can trust to tell you if things aren't on track so that you don't have to be in every single thing and and building that team that is sharing the accountability for the impact, I think, responds really well to the female way of leading impact business. I really like that, Anharad. I think that's, that's, that's great. And it makes me think too about how do we share the stage with teams so and the ecosystem that's needed in order to make these businesses happen so one of the things i'm hoping to explore is not just putting women forward but putting groups of women forward mm-hmm. so it's not just the hero entrepreneur or entrepreneur it's a whole group of people who are working with each other to create future businesses and i think I think that's what's going to fundamentally shift the the sort of business narrative that happens about the the strong man or um, the hero who saves the world. It's teams of people. 
Yeah, I think one of the things also we need to sort of support each other with moving forward is, you know, they say that guys will apply for something or go for something when they have 10% or 20% of the skills and females will wait until they've got 80% of what they think they need or the resources to go ahead and do that. What I've been noticing, especially from the other female businesses around us, women are just taking a chance and taking a bit more of a punt just to see if they can actually do it. So I think that's one of the things that we need to foster in the mindset of the younger females and groups and teams coming through is that it doesn't matter if you've only got 20% of what you need right now. Let's sit down, let's work out how you can be resourceful and dig deeper because you may actually have 10 times more skills than you realize you just haven't accessed them before you haven't drawn on them so you don't know that's what you're capable of so i think and that's not just for females that's for everyone like you know teaching people just to have more confidence rather than hiding behind social media profiles all the time is actually dig into yourself and and see what you could do just give it a go yeah i think that's really important and only last night i was talking about this fact that when we work on ourselves first and really understand the games we play out in our own selves that sabotage what we do and sabotage other people, then and only then can you go on and have true outstanding impact because you've recognized what that you might be in the way of what you're trying to do, etc. So yeah, I completely understand. Thank you so much for being part of this panel. We're like right on time to go to a Q&A and I feel like there's some really great people in here that want to talk to you, but I'll just wrap up the formal part of the interview and say thank you so much for being part of it ladies i really really do appreciate it thanks carly thanks carly thanks carly and thank you katie and Harriet, for a great conversation thanks for listening to impact boom you'll find links to the initiatives people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.